Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Think you know the Brooks Ghost? Think again. Introducing the all-new, better-than-ever Ghost 16. Now with nitrogen-infused cushioning for lightweight, supreme softness that feels good every step, every street, every single day. So go ahead. Take your daily joyride in the all-new nitrogen-infused Ghost 16. It'll turn your everyday miles into everyday endorphins. Let's run there. Head to brooksrunning.com to learn more. Yeehaw! Grab your rifle, supersize your lunch, and throw the sedan into drive. This is the North American Special. I'm Andy Baxter, and this is Pines of Football, the nation's drunkest football podcast. Yeehaw! <laughs> Eating cilantro and bologna in a cowboy hat. It's Daz Napson. Uh, I don't even know how half that stuff was. <laughs> no, I, I might leave the American sort of stereotype for a little bit. But we do actually have with us a real-life American. It's Clayton R. Nice to meet y'all. How's it going? Hey, man. Yeah, you good? Yeah, yeah. Not too bad over here. So regular listeners will be aware that we try and do a feature and a story about every country in the world, and we usually do a pretty bad job on it, but we're quite lucky today that we've got someone with proper U.S. soccer fan experience to do our U.S. episode, and we're very grateful. Yeah, happy to be here. I'm happy to share kind of some of my experiences. I've only been to a few MLS matches, but I've still kind of try to stay plugged in as much as I can here from here, as much as any other US sport, I guess. Cool. So tell us a little bit about you then. So you're UK based now. You've got a UK soccer team and do you have an American soccer team? Yeah. So um, in the US, as you can imagine, um, um, soccer or football, not exactly the biggest sport in the nation. So um, I particularly grew up in an area where American football was very large in a state called South Carolina. And down there, humid summers, let's see if I can get the centigrade right. It was about upper 30s when in the in August months. And, um, right. you know, everybody played American football still. So um, as a matter of fact, I didn't even play fo- like uh, UK football a uh, single time my entire life. Well, that's not true. Before I was five years old, I did. But um, so kind of grew into it pretty late. 2010 World Cup was a big deal for me. I think it was I was 16, 15, and um, that's when the World Cup got going. And 
Uh, Tim Howard was a pretty mm-hmm. big star for the team in 2010 and in 2014, for that matter. So um, in the States, that's about as good as you can get for trying to pick a team that actually is worth a damn. So looked up who he played for, played for Everton. And I've had the the distinguished privilege ever since then to pull for uh, the mighty Everton. So um, that's my primary team. Um, I do still pull for Atlanta United. They're the local team to the city I usually pull for, but um, I gravitate more to Everton. We didn't, Atlanta United didn't even exist until 2017. So um been following Everton a lot longer. Nice. So I'm just looking up Atlanta United and they play in red. So that's not ideal. <laughs> yeah, it's not, it's not the most optimal situation. Got a little AC Milan situation going on with their, uh, their kits, but uh it's been nice. Uh, they really came in hot with the uh, with the team. They won the uh, MLS Cup in their second year, which is pretty unprecedented at the time for any pro sport in the U.S. for that matter. But brought in a few guys. They had uh, Miguel Amaron before he went over to Newcastle. He was a pretty big deal. And um, they just uh, they had Joseph Martinez for their first four years, and he just went to Miami because, of course, Beckham had to fuck it all up. But um, <laughs> so yeah, they they came in pretty hot. So they um, they had a good following in Atlanta, but. It was really interesting at the time because, or not at the time, still because there's really like three. There's three main sports in Atlanta, for that matter. There's there was basketball, um, baseball, and football, or American football. So um, there wasn't really, and then, you know, Atlanta's a really diverse city. And like to be perfectly honest, it seemed like a lot of like the northern Atlanta crowd, which is like a pretty like middle upper class area, pulled for the Braves. Like, baseball is kind of like cricket in that way, like kind of a elitist kind of sport. Um, football kind of had like the more downtown, you know, like lower slash middle class fans, but it didn't seem like there was really a good fan, like a sport for anybody to get into that, um, you know, like UK football kind of caters to like, just like, like a a sport for the masses. And I think that's what Atlanta United did a really good job of capturing. Mm -hmm. I mean, I went to, I go to baseball games, I go to American football games and I, you know, went to Atlanta United matches and, um, you know, met folks from kind of all over from there, which is really, really unique. Uh, it just seems like there was always like different types of, or the same kind of crowds go into each of the the Braves or the, the Atlanta Braves, the baseball team and the Atlanta Falcons games. But Atlanta United was kind of like united in that matter, not to sound like a, like a, like a damn Robert <laughs> speech, but it was really cool. It, it was just um, it was a lot of fun. They really put a lot of the, um, like the city into the team. Like it's a huge rap scene in Atlanta. So they would always bring in like rappers to do their pregame ceremonies, which is pretty sweet. But um I think I'm droning on and on here, but yeah, it was it was it's pretty fun to pull for them too. It sounds good, and I suppose when it's a new team, they can um, they can sort of plan it and they can think what's going to appeal to certain you know certain fans, certain demographics, and stuff. When you've got like a UK team that's been there for a hundred years, they've kind of evolved and grown up with everyone, and there's kind of a lot of afterthought gone in, but not so much forethought. And that what you're saying about the sort of um, the working class people and the sort of the big rap culture in there, they they can actually sort of have a bit of a push. Whereas, you know, local teams around here in City and Rovers, they just sort of always been there and they sort of people grow up and adopt them rather than the other way around. I mean, if there was a new team that got plonked down, I mean, it probably wouldn't do so well to begin with, but they can they could sort of pick and choose what they wanted to, to do and sort of use the social media and everything like that and sort of have a very clear strategy and there is a sort of something to be said for that and i also saw that brad brad guzan plays there well i like brad guzan a lot too because he went to my university so i had like um he was kind of like the perfect the perfect picture of a follow-up for tim howard for me because 
it's like a, so I went to the, the school called the University of South Carolina. Their mascots are the Gamecocks, but uh, decent decent football team actually, or not American football, or pretty pretty shit honestly. But um, <laughs> the soccer team was not too bad. Our women's team is great. They've uh, won the national title a couple years ago. But um, point is, Bragg is on with Atlanta. Play on the U.S. team for a while, so um, it was just another good reason to pull for him. But you do wonder, and I've, I've often thought about that when you've got a, a team in a state, and a lot of the states over there are bigger than Flitton, England. So how can you sort of have a rival with a team which is probably six hours drive away from you? It's 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 a feel. <laughs> it feels just totally different culture. I mean, six hours is probably underestimating it massively as well, but. Um, like like away away fans as well. We've all been to away games, soccer as soccer fans, and that probably doesn't exist in America either because you'd have to take a plane to the nearest or you know the majority of the away matches. I suppose there isn't an away end culture. That that's something a lot of people have trouble getting getting when they move over here. So I work for an American company here, and our office is decently sized. I think it's about three hundred fifty people, and most of them are Americans. And so they hear about like, oh, I want to go to these UK football matches and just like sit at the game and like, you know, pull for the team or whatever. And um, my favorite example of them not understanding how it works culturally compared to how it is in the US is um, when I first got here, I think my second weekend, uh, just a bunch of us went up to Cardiff for on a Saturday. Just so happened Bristol City was playing Cardiff and Cardiff. And we're like, oh, let's go to the game. And it was a group of 10 of us and about half of them just like didn't understand that you can't be an away fan in the home section. And like and on top of it, they obviously like didn't know the team or anything. They're just like, Oh, I'm going to be a Bristol city fan. Cause I live in Bristol. So we get to the game and the other half of us like knew how it understood went. And we're like, guys, when you get in there, like you gotta be quiet. You can't like pull for Bristol city. And they're like, no, it's fine. Like, and so I, I think it was like a, like they got a corner in the first 10 minutes or something. And this one woman in our group, just like, come on. I was like, come on, you Robins or something like that. And I swear to Christ, these three Cardiff guys just like death daggers into this woman. And like, she's probably like 23, 24 years old too. Like, uh, like obviously an American and everything still just looked at them. They're like, you know, shut the hell up or something like that. And <laughs> she looks at me like, I told you, do not say anything. So my, my point here is like in the U.S., there's no real, in 90% of places, there's no animosity to away fans. There are random teams like the Philadelphia Eagles who are notorious for being just like, jackasses went to away fans um but and you know like the raiders when they were in oakland but 99 percent of the time it's it's never a problem especially if you just kind of sit there um, but you can like wear your away gear it's it's pretty interesting and fascinating but um yeah it's it's, it's quite different i was gonna say as well i think um whenever i've been to ice hockey games over here and obviously that's an american sport there's very much that thing of you're an away fan, you're bothered to travel here, so we're going to like treat you really well and everyone's hanging out in the bar, having a beer together. Oh, how, you know, how was your journey down? All that sort of stuff. You just, you just never get that in football. <laughs> well, hockey's got the added benefit because it's actually, it's, it was made in Canada, obviously. And those are the nicest people in the world. So, yeah. um, unless you go to a Toronto match, they're, they're pretty god awful up there, I've heard. But <laughs> um, yeah, it's, it's pretty funny. Hockey's great though. I I'm, I very recently got into that, like you know, about five or ten years ago. But um, hockey's a lot of fun. Hockey's just got like a huge drinking culture around it. But like in kind of an American Canadian way, they just like it's like funny. Like let's just get really drunk by like the third period and you know fall down the stairs and laugh. It's great. <laughs> <laughs> I wonder if that's why 
they sort of cheer when the fights happen in ice hockey. It's funny, isn't it? I suppose. I, I met this guy from Winnipeg one time, and so the Winnipeg Winnipeg has the Jets, and I was just asking him, like, obviously it's a huge culture up there. Um, you know, how does how do you kind of get into it? He's like, dude, there's nothing to do up there in the winter. It's so cold. It gets to like negative thirty, negative forty. Like you like get in a cab or you drive and you like put on your parka and like three other jackets and you run to the stadium and then it's like warm and they have beer there and people are just kicking each other's asses. Like that's great. <laughs> Fair enough. Yeah. yeah. What's not to like. See, that's another thing, isn't it? I, because over there, I mean, Canada, especially in certain, certain parts of America, it you just can't fathom the, the heat and the cold. So you wouldn't want to be standing on a terrace like we have them in either of those extremes, just because, you'd melt or freeze and, you know, it just wouldn't be enjoyable. There's a limit. And, you know, you put a jacket on, as you say, but there is a limit. And, you, you, you know, I've been at games myself, I'm sure you have, does where it gets to sort of midway through the second half, you're freezing, you're soaked, the game's crap. And you're like, yeah, I'm not, I'm not enjoying this. <laughs> I need to leave. Yeah, especially in non-league, because quite often there's nowhere to hide. You know, you're not in a big stadium where there's like thousands of people all cuddled together, sharing the heat. Quite often you're in a, a very dark wet field and (laughs) if there's a bar or a good clubhouse you can go and like take shelter in there for a bit take a bit longer ordering your beer and usually watch the game from the actual clubhouse which is quite a nice bonus sometimes or it's like the clubhouse is a 10 minute walk away and it's across a cricket pitch and in a dark field and (laughs) you just think i can't be bothered i'm just going to try and find somewhere to perch Hopefully not freeze. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's it's kind of funny because I think I, it's almost now that I'm thinking about it, almost like an American thing. I think to just be like super proud of these miserable atmospheres. I mean, like the Green Bay Packers, for example, they're they're known as like Lambeau Field where they play is known as the tundra because it gets down to I mean it'll get down to like negative thirty four in some of their like negative thirty four or thirty five in like the January February games because. Then there's just like the tundra. So you'll see these people just like bundled up except for the front row. And it's just these like northern Wisconsinites wearing like no shirts and just like, welcome to Lambo, baby. It's it's absurd. But then you get the literally the polar opposite where you go to like Texas or Florida and it'll get up to like 40 in the sun, like August, September when football starts. And like, as a matter of fact, my first university football game, 41 degrees Celsius at kickoff. And the place was going berserk. It was at like 5 p.m. in the afternoon. I have no idea why they did that, but it's like 5 p.m. and 87,000 people watching a bunch of like 20-year-old kids play American football. Um, and it's just great. It's just like what they like feed off of is the energy of like, oh, I might pass out any minute and I've got, you know, a bottle of whiskey in me right now that I've been drinking since 9 a.m. this morning. Like, let's lock and load. So, yeah. But like, it's so stupid, obviously. So it's got to be like a pride, like a like a, I guess, an ego thing, a pride thing. I mean, which certainly something we have a problem with, I'd argue. <laughs> <laughs> oh, fab. So just to sort of push you a little bit on like maybe a particular experience or an anecdote or, uh, you know, something you remember from a, a game, being at a game, watching a game or hearing about American soccer in general, do you think you've something springs to mind? Do you think something that, that our listeners would be quite interested in? Yeah, I guess the first ever time I went to an Atlanta United game is probably a good one. So I, I actually have a friend who uh, is a Liverpool fan. He was the one who got me a little more seriously. I know, I know, Vax. Um, <laughs> he, he got me a little more seriously into watching football. Um, I 
very, very, very casually watched Everton. I'm not going to lie until I went to uni and that was in 2014. Um, but he was my roommate in 2015 for a few years. Um, and he was, he was such a big fan. He would wake up every single Saturday morning at like 6am, 7am, watch the pregames, watch all the games. And then he'd turn on American football, but I'm going to say no, I just kind of like, you know, roll out of bed and start watching with him a lot more. Um, so when Liverpool went and played Tottenham in the um, Champions League final, I he was just like, you know, you should come down and we'll just go watch from a pub and then we'll go to the Atlanta United match. So I sit around with all these copites for like four hours watching them play the shittiest Champions, fi- Champions League final I've ever I've ever seen. And um, we went to the Atlanta United match and I've never seen that guy happen so happy in my life. But Thank God Atlanta United decided to play and uh, or, or decided to actually play well that day. Like the MLS, the thing is like there's just like one guy from a lot of these teams who are like former glory, you know, or like players who were former glory, like the Iguain twins or brothers played or played in Miami for a while, I'm pretty mm-hmm. sure. And um, except for Atlanta United, they just went with like really young kids from South America. So um, Atlanta United won, which is great. But um, honestly, not the most remarkable story, I guess. But it was just really interesting to kind of go to this Atlanta United match after hanging around at this pub for five hours, which now seems like pretty a, a pretty routine situation to do. But um, it was still just like a pretty fun day. Um, it was a little bitter kind of going into the game, but Atlanta United pulled it out. And um, yeah, it was a good time. And that was that was the first Atlanta United game I ever went to. Pick one's mayonnaise quality mayonnaise, dips, dressing, and sauces that are mixed with love and flair? Pick what you want. Oh, yeah. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car, before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. It really does remind me of that story. It's very similar to how I started attending games in person. Like as a kid growing up in a really rural area where there was no football teams, definitely no Premier League teams. Like you just watched it on the TV or played. And that, like you say, at Bex, it was ingrained into us. Like you did, you did support a team, you did um, play, but you didn't really go to games. And like growing up as a kid, all of the people at school supported Arsenal, Man U, Leeds, Liverpool. They were like the four teams at the time. And then when I moved to uni and I was right in the middle of the Midlands where there was like all of the teams accessible on train in an hour, it was like all of a sudden it was like, whoa. And then when my mate came through, he was like, should we go watch a, a random match? So yeah, we just turned up at Macclesfield that day at uni, first year of uni watched a League Two game and then ever since then that's who I've supported. So yeah, quite a similar story in some ways. Yeah, I thought I thought everybody who got into a team here was just like 
ingrained into it at a young age and <laughs> yeah the i just all my friends supported leeds and all my family supported liverpool and i just didn't really particularly enjoy either of them that much like i start well, when my friends were all supporting leeds it was at the time where i think they got into the champions league semi-final and then like four years later now they went bust so it was like, as a kid, you just really can't bother with that sort of stuff. <laughs> like, yeah. the, there's enough football depression to come in the future. I mean, Macclesfield went bust. So, you know, I eventually got my chance yeah. to see that happen. So I, <laughs> I didn't need it as a kid. <laughs> and then, yeah, my dad and my brother supported Liverpool. And obviously we got to see them win the Champions League a couple of times. And I was just sat there like, yeah, fair enough. I mean, to be fair, Istanbul was pretty good. Like watching that when they were 3-0 down and... Um, my dad was like, I'm going to have a rum and coke and then I'm going to go to bed after the uh, half time. And then about five minutes in, I think they scored that first goal. And then he was like, right, I'm getting another rum and coke, <laughs> see what happens. <laughs> <laughs> and then about three bottles of rum and coke later, it ended up being a long game. Then, yeah. so, yeah. How has this come up on a podcast with two Everton fans? Clayton Sider, he started talking about Liverpool and Champions League final. <laughs> I'm not having it. <laughs> anyway, so when we knew we were doing the US episode, I thought I'd have a little look into some US soccer history. And what you're saying, when you started watching and certainly when how old you were, it made me realize that you probably weren't alive when this, when the 94 World Cup happened in America. I was not now. <laughs> I mean, I don't really remember it because I, 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 I was nine. <laughs> shut up. <laughs> so I don't, I don't really remember it being on, and especially because England weren't in it. So maybe it wasn't as hyped up and televised the stuff as it would be these days. But, you know, obviously the main thing to take away from it was Diana Ross's penalty in the opening ceremony. We've all seen it, Clayton. I'm sure you're aware of it because it might be like a cultural sort of touchstone for, for soccer in America because it was amazing. Yeah. But it's fantastic. We all know the story. Um Diana Ross comes on, must be the biggest star at the time, is meant to take a penalty, the goal explodes for some reason. Um, yeah, you know, it's all great. But <laughs> So I, I dug the footage out. I say dug the footage out as if I was going through the archives. I looked on YouTube um, and I found the footage and it's a lot more bizarre than I ever realised. So she starts a run-up in the other penalty area, which I don't know what the rules are, but that seems like it's a bit far. And she's singing the whole time, man. She's singing one of her many popular hits. She runs the length of the field. There's like all kinds of the brass band are playing and everyone else and everyone's cheering and all this. And she, she's sort of like, it's, it's a foul anyway because she stops her run-up and then takes a step back and then starts her run-up again, which, you know, the referee should have, should have pulled her up on that. But anyway, she completely scuffs it. It goes wide. The goal explodes. And then she celebrates anyway as if she scored because she's obviously had this pre-planned in her head and then bails. And it's totally nuts and I love it. But there is another bit to it, which I, I never knew until a couple of weeks ago when we originally planned this. Um, Oprah Winfrey, who is obviously another big, massive star, is like the host of the opening ceremony. And she introduces um, Diana Ross to come and take it and inexplicably falls off the stage. <laughs> this is absolutely true. <laughs> Unfortunately, and I did, I looked and I looked and I looked and I couldn't find a camera angle where you see it go down because I would have shared it because it's brilliant. But like a bit later on, after Diana Ross has finished singing, the camera goes back onto Oprah Winfrey and she's got a big rip down the side of her dress. 
And like, it's, it's, there's loads of articles that mention it. This is what happened. But absolute pro that she is carries on with the gig. And yeah, it's 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 staggering. And it's like, why didn't more people not talk about this? It's incredible. Well, anyway, you do, you do realize, Baxter, that Diana Ross goal is a replication of one of Pele's finest goals from the 80s. <laughs> <laughs> That's a reference, Clayton, if you haven't heard, to sort of Pele just making loads of crap up and just, you know, making out he's the sort of. He, he was better than he was because he wasn't bad, Pele, we're, we're led to believe. It was before even my time, but yeah, he has a, a tendency to uh, exaggerate and he sat down with a journalist one time and described the best goal that he'd ever scored that didn't, that wasn't um, recorded. And it's, it's just silly. He beats about six men, chips the ball up, knees it to himself, heads it over the goalie. Oh, it's just silly. But it's very funny. Very funny. It's, I keep seeing, even now, I keep seeing stats I've never heard about Pele before. Today I saw one, it was like, um, Pele scored the most free kicks outside of Europe. <laughs> Who needed that fact? <laughs> no, we didn't, surely. I, I, I will, before we carry on, I will ha- just talk about the World Cup in America in 1984, just briefly, just so just so I've, I've said it. They, It was a big deal, obviously, because it was still quite a new sport to a lot of Americans over there um, at that time. So they hired a crazy coach who was called Bora Milit- Militonovic. Militonovic. Anyway, so... He selected a squad to play in this World Cup, and they almost almost all of them did hadn't played professional football at a decent level. They were just like blokes that he knew. But that didn't matter because you know why not? He similar to what Qatar did. They had their whole squad go to like a training camp for a year and a half just to like focus on the World Cup, and that was it. So what they did was they just ran on the beach, which is great. They played football tennis, which is exactly what it sounds like, and it looks brilliant fun. And they played a load of international friendlies, and so everyone thought, "Why? The, what? What's this guy doing? This guy's fucking nuts. We've got no chance." But anyway, when the actual tournament came around, America did a lot better than anyone was thinking. And um, they got a draw against Switzerland, which was good. Then they beat Colombia, which unfortunately led to one of the Colombian players being shot and killed. I say no politics around that one at all. <laughs> well, yeah, exactly. Um, it, it is a guy called Andres Escobar. He scored the own goal, and yeah, yeah. Anyway, they carried on, did all right. They they lost their third game to Romania, and then Brazil only beat them one nil in the final. In the final, in the the round of sixteen, and Brazil obviously went all the way. Anyway, so to, to get them beat by the eventual winners, not a bad effort. And like you said before, Clayton, the there is obviously a demand for it because. I think I haven't checked since Qatar, but I think the average attendance of the of that World Cup is the highest ever. I mean, that probably says something to do with the size of the stadiums. But equally, you know, it's not as if no one was going. You know what I mean? They were still packed out eighty, ninety thousand capacity sta- um, ground. So you know, obviously, someone wanted to go and see it. And then two years after that, so nineteen ninety six, MLS was founded, and we know what success that's gone on to be. So. Um, I think we can come down on the side that the World Cup in America was good. Yeah, you got to remember, though, the last World Cup, the attendances were being reported as like 206,000 in a 50,000-seater stadium, <laughs> which was half empty. Yeah, that's a very good point as well. So I think we can we can, we can can say that the America one was legitimately uh, well-attended. Yeah. You know, and I think what's been, what's been interesting in the last decade is 
the lift that the women's team has been taking on for keeping mm-hmm. like, football alive in the U.S. I mean, they've been phenomenal, obviously. Like they, I mean, I, I think the average American can list off more women's players mm-hmm. than they could men's players. Um, and I, I'm I'm really curious on how the last ten years and the next few years will kind of lead into 2026. It's obviously a lot of pressure put on the team right now, but like. I mean, let, let's be honest. They didn't look too great in the World Cup this year or last year, I guess. And then, with all the politics going on with like Claudio Rania and all the other things, I, I don't know. It's it, I feel like it's going to be a huge letdown, which is going to be like permanently damaging to the sport. There, um, hopefully not. I mean, we'll we'll see. But I'm pretty nervous over the next couple of years. I mean, I've been I've been like paying attention to the team just for some of their friendlies recently, and they look pretty terrible. Um, but yeah, I mean, I agree with you. I'm not trying to, sorry, um, destroy your point at all. I'm just, it's, it's been an interesting glow up, I'd say. And, you know, like you said, I wasn't alive in 94, but like Alexi Lawless is like a huge name, a household name in the U S um, more recently, Claudio Reina with Gia Reina on the team and all the, the drama around that. But, um, yeah, that's, uh, I'm intrigued to see how 2026 goes. I know it seems like every world cup, the U S gets more and more interested in it. Um, so yeah, I think that certainly what you're saying about people being more interested, I think that's just because of sort of accessibility of being able to watch any match, any goal, any you know, whatever. You know, like we, we've said before on this podcast years ago, some stuff you just never ever hear of, or you'd have to really go out your way to find out results of certain you know games in Europe or whatever. But now, if someone scores a great goal in Moldova. You've seen it within minutes because someone shared it. Someone's said, look at this. And, you know, that's that's just how it is. And I imagine sort of young kids growing up because I know it's big in the sort of school kids kind of age. And then, as you say, in the women's game. So I imagine if they can see their favorite players and whoever it might be, then, yeah, of course, more people are going to want to play it and carry on. Because that's the other thing. I probably said this to you as well, Clayton, that even the crap level that I play at, I still play. I still go out and uh, still play. Whereas from what I understand, a lot of Americans, they're not good enough when they leave school to make a sort of career out of it. They kind of never put a pair of boots on again. They, You know, it seems that that's it. And I suppose being surrounded with it, you always do it. It's always there as a sort of hobby, as a bit of fitness or whatever for us being in the UK. You're always surrounded with it and you sort of have that hour and a half on a Sunday morning where I feel like... I can put into practice everything I've moaned about or watched the pros try and do. And, uh, you know, we're playing out from the back on these pretty crap bobbly pitches the other week. And it's like, we're only doing this because we've seen good teams do it. We haven't got the flipping technical ability to try and unlock defences, kick it hard (laughs) as we can in the air. (laughs) Yeah, there's something to be be said about the lack of opportunities. I mean, even my dad, he played played football in uni, like – so until he was 22 and he doesn't even like watch it anymore. He's not like a, he's not an MLS fan. He's not like any a premier league fan. He just like, doesn't care about it. So I've never really talked about it in full detail with him, I guess, besides he went straight into work and just, it's not a lot of, a lot of play people picking uh, or playing five aside in South Carolina and the United States. So <laughs> mm-hmm. you should have maybe, we should have gone with that for your story. Shouldn't we about your dad? If he was a decent sort of college or university player, um, yeah, he was, he was a backup goalie. Um, he says he didn't get much playing time, but, um, you know, he got a free ride to university for it. So he was a big fan of it. <laughs> wow. Worth doing then. Yeah, for sure. Nice. Well, I think we've given 
America a decent crack there. I think we've uh, we've we we learned a lot more than we did when we came in. So thank you very much, Clayton. Daz, over well, to you. Yeah, I was going to ask one more question, Clayton. Yeah, is is it a rule in America that to become a top class American goalkeeper you have to be bald? <laughs> of course, the hair gets in the way, man. Because. <laughs> Like you've already mentioned two of two of the big four that I can think of, which is uh, you already mentioned Tim Howard and um, who else did you mention? Brad Guzan. Brad Guzan, yeah. There was also Brad Friedel. Yep, a legend. I believe uh, Tom has a signed photograph of Brad in his toilet uh, in his house, <laughs> uh, so it's worth a mention. But then also the one that people always forget about, who was one of my favourite goalkeepers, Marcus Harneman. Yeah, famously mad. Yeah, Reading goalkeeper, wasn't he? Yeah, like, yeah. <laughs> he was good. And he, he was also bald. He had a nice goatee, exactly. Yeah, so I just wondered if it was a rule. I mean, Christ, even Matt Turner looks like he's going bald a little bit when you when you look at some certain photos. So <laughs> <laughs> maybe it's the stress. <laughs> maybe so when you have to stop sixteen shots a game, that's uh, it's bound to take yeah. some years and some hair off your life. <laughs> just stick to baseball man yeah, <laughs> and it, right if there's any yeah if there's any up and coming american goalkeepers listening to this episode telling you now don't bother forget it <laughs> you'll look 50 when you're 20 uh but no that that wasn't what i was going to say i was going to say it's time for a quiz yeah so customary for us to always do a quiz and having a guest on, I thought I'd theme it this time. Hopefully I've themed it enough so that it's still competitive. So what we're going to do is, did you know, since the MLS began, there's been 91 English footballers playing the MLS? Oh, good grief. <laughs> well, now you do. And the challenge for this is you're going to take it in turns to name an Englishman who has played in the MLS. Oh. And I'm sure we won't get all 91, but as soon as one of you can't get one, duplicates an answer or gets it wrong, you're out. And I'm glad Tom isn't here for this one because I can guarantee his first thing he would have said would have been Gareth Bale. Yeah. And then he, he would have <laughs> lost. <laughs> yeah, that's a very good point. So, okay, so we're strictly English then, not UK. Yeah, English, English. So, yeah, uh, as the host, Baxter, do you want to kick us off? Sean Wright Phillips. Excellent. Over to our guest. Beckham. <laughs> yes. Lampard. Oh, Baxter's favourite Englishman. <laughs> Next up. Uh, Wayne Rooney. Yeah, how do you not get that, Baxter? Do you not remember Rooney going out there? <laughs> I'd have got there, wouldn't I? Um, so that's two. Ashley Cole. Hey, yep. a favourite after last week's after episode. Last week. Yeah. I got a good one. Dom Dwyer. Yes. See, he's one of those players that I genuinely didn't really know about. And like he's like neutralised as an American now. He's played for the national team, hasn't he? Yeah, I think so. I, thought yeah. that, I would have saved that one till the end because I couldn't. I, I wouldn't have got that flipping heck. Yeah, I was aware of him. I can't remember where he was born, but he like basically just went out there for like a scholarship type thing and 
just for a became, Yeah, but he became, I'm sure he was like the top scorer for quite a while over there, wasn't he? It's quite a big deal. Oh, okay. Um, I've already had his brother, so Bradley Wright Phillips. Yeah, there you go. Get that one in. This is specifically MLS. Yeah, we'd be here all night if we extended it past the MLS. <laughs> That's true. There were some great team names before the MLS came into play, like just absurd, absurd team names. <laughs> In when it was the nuzzle, it was the yeah, yeah. right. <laughs> yeah. The nasal. The nasal. <laughs> um there's gotta be some really obvious ones we're missing. I think I've got one more. You got six out of ninety-one. Oh shut up. <laughs> um You've already mentioned one of them in Istanbul, two thousand and five. Oh yeah. I'm blanking. I I don't want to call it now, but um, do you want me to have another go? Yeah, if you don't mind. Steven Gerrard. Hey. Oh, did he really? Yeah. Galaxy, did he? Yeah, he played for Galaxy for one season, yeah. Um, and beyond that, it's going to be some really obscure ones. You like had one season at Crystal Palace and then went over there, isn't it? Oh, who was that guy? Oh, no, he was... Someone went... Defoe, there's another one. He went. Yes, I was going to say that was the one that like I thought you, you guys would have got, Jermaine Defoe. Yeah, it's got to be some of the famous ones. Um, yeah, I, I, can't, I went to say Robbie Keane, but obviously not English. No, no, no. Well, Bax, we'll give you the win. Do you want me to reel off a few more of the more nine ones? Go on, give us a couple. Uh, Stoke legend and Manu former player Ryan Shawcross. Okay, he was out there. Liam Ridgewell, he was out there for many years after a good Premier League career. Uh, Nigel Rio Coca played for everyone. <laughs> he did. He, he actually played for three. Teams in three years out there as well. Yes, he did. Um, who else have we got? Nedum Anua, a former Man City player. Did he? Yeah. He's all, I should have got that. He's always on Radio 5 Live lately. I quite like him. He, he speaks a lot of sense. Yeah. Just one year for Zap Knight, England, right. England Caps defender. Um, he sounds like an American. Yeah. yeah. Zat. <laughs> Zat? Who's called Zat? <laughs> um, Darren Huckabee, of course. Wow. That's probably before Clayton's time. That's not fair. Yeah. Current, <laughs> currently out there, we've got uh, Kieran Gibbs. Oh, okay. um, yeah. Yeah, another one I thought you guys might have got. Yeah. And, and my favourite, possibly favourite player of all time, just because of the career he's had, was Rohan Ricketts. No. Rohan Ricketts. Wow. Google him. Wikipedia. Wikipedia, his history. Yeah. He's had about 400 clubs. <laughs> <laughs> Holy shit. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> Literally 20 clubs. That's insane. Yeah. Wow. I like it. He, he's, I'm sure he's like played in every continent. <laughs> That's impressive. I hope he has. Yeah. <laughs> Tom and I once did. I think it was like a whole episode where we just discussed his career. Via Wikipedia articles. Brian Ricketts also has the best Wikipedia photo I've seen so far. It's like a model shot of him in a like a <laughs> like a Burberry jacket or something. <laughs> yeah, he's he's one of those guys who has has made his own wiki login, just oh, yeah. edit his own page. Hundred yeah. <laughs> percent. The the last thing, Clayton. I'm sorry to surprise you with this one. 
It's also tradition to end our show with a joke. And since you're the guest, if you have a dad joke, a particularly naff joke, a particularly crap joke you think our listeners might enjoy, then now's your chance. Ooh, um, a joke. Um, let's see. It's like a line of dialogue almost, but I actually do it myself. And it's the, the, the dumbest thing ever. Like, it almost doesn't make sense. But like every now and then, my whenever my dad's in a good mood, I'll be like, how's it going? He's just like, man, if I were any better, I'd be twins. Doesn't make any fucking sense. Yeah, just like, what do you mean? You're like, I'm just like, oh, I'm just so happy there'd be two of me. I'm like, all right, dad. <laughs> Glad to hear you're in a good mood. At least um, we've ticked America off as well. I don't know how many countries we've done now. Maybe like 16 or 17. Oh, wow. I mean, Some of them have been like pretty obscure. I did America. No, not American Samoa. What did I do? Solomon Islands? Yes. It's quite I, funny. I, I, I don't know how I got half an hour out of that, but I did. It's, it's quite funny because uh, when I was just uh, in the bar getting a drink downstairs and I was like, went to the bar guy and I was like, been told um, I can come up here and use this room for the podcast, blah, blah, blah. And then the woman at the bar, she was like, oh, what's the podcast? And I was like, oh, it's uh, called Point of Football. It's like obscure football stories. And she was like, oh, well, what sort of stories do you tell? And I was saying about we're ticking off a random story from every country in the world. And then her husband just went, <laughs> um, have you got any stories about Fiji? And I was <laughs> like, I was like, not off the top of my head. And then she was like, oh, yeah, I got stranded there on a ship. What? <laughs> <laughs> I hope she just left it there and didn't go back to it. No, I, I just said, I said, did you make any contacts while you were there that we could reach out to for our Fiji episode? And she yeah. said no. Aww. She said no. Sports Social Podcast Network. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.